Surgical Head Coverings, a Literature Review, by Lisa Spruce. Abstract. Microorganisms that cause surgical site infections may either be present on the patient's skin or mucous membranes or transmitted to the patient by healthcare personnel, the environment, or other items in the perioperative setting. This literature review analyzes the evidence used to support the recommendation that perioperative personnel should cover their heads, hair, and ears in the semi-restricted and restricted areas. A literature search produced 27 articles related to bacterial shedding from skin and hair, pathogenic organisms present on the hair and ears, and case reports of infectious organisms passed from healthcare providers to patients. Although there is no conclusive evidence that wearing a head covering can help prevent surgical site infections, the potential benefits to patients when compared with the risks suggest that perioperative team members should cover their heads, hair, and ears in the semi-restricted and restricted areas to provide the best possible protection for surgical patients. In its annual National and State Healthcare-Associated Infections Progress Report, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced that there had been a 17% decrease in surgical site infections, SSIs, related to the 10 procedure types tracked between 2008 and 2014 including a 17% decrease in SSIs after abdominal hysterectomy procedures and a 2% decrease in SSIs after colon surgery. Although these data represent improvement, a healthcare-associated infection point prevalence survey from 2011 estimated that more than 150,000 SSIs still occur annually in acute care hospitals in the United States. Surgical site infections can be caused by endogenous microorganisms that are present on the patient's skin or mucous membranes, or by exogenous microorganisms from the external environment, healthcare personnel, surgical instruments, or other materials. Many of these organisms are developing resistance to antibiotics, which makes them particularly dangerous to patients. Purpose Maintaining a high level of cleanliness and hygiene in the perioperative setting is important for protecting patients from microorganisms that could cause an SSI. One reason that perioperative personnel wear surgical attire is to reduce the patient's exposure to microorganisms that are shed from the skin and hair. Some members of the perioperative team, however, have questioned the evidence supporting the need to completely cover the hair and ears as a means of promoting environmental cleanliness and protecting the patient from potential harm. Recommendation 3 in AORN's Guideline for Surgical Attire states, Personnel entering the semi-restricted and restricted areas should cover the head, hair, ears, and facial hair. Intervention 3.A further states, a clean surgical head cover or hood that confines all hair and completely covers the ears, scalp, skin, sideburns, and nape of the neck should be worn. This article reviews and identifies the extant literature that supports the recommendation for clean surgical head coverings and explores the following question. Does completely covering the hair and ears of perioperative team members in the OR reduce a patient's risk of developing an SSI? Literature Search Methods In preparation for an update to AORN's Guideline for Surgical Attire in 2014, a clinical research librarian employed by AORN conducted a literature search on surgical attire of the Medline and the Cumulative Index to Nursing and Allied Health Literature, CINAHL, databases, and the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews for Meta-Analysis, Systematic Reviews, 
randomized controlled and non-randomized trials and studies, case reports, letters, literature reviews, and guidelines. The librarian also searched the Scopus database, although not systematically. The search was limited to literature published in English from January 2008 through June 2013. However, relevant articles published outside this time limit were included because of a lack of current literature. The keywords from the initial search were inclusive of terms relevant to all types of surgical attire. Only literature relevant to head coverings was considered for inclusion in this article. For this literature review, AORN's clinical research librarian performed a supplementary search on head coverings in the same databases to identify any additional sources published from July 2013 through November 2016. The search terms included cross-infection, infectious disease transmission, professional-to-patient, surgical wound infection, bacterial load, bacteria, bacterial infections, fungi, fungus, MRSA, MSSA, staphylococci, staphylococcus, enterococci, enterococcus, fomites, nosocomial, operating room, operating theater, surgical suite, ambulatory care facilities, surgery centers, outpatient surgery, surgical attire, hood, head covering, bouffant, scrub attire, cap, skull cap, protective clothing, hair, sideburns, dandruff, parasitology, dermatitis, seborrheic, epithelial cells, skin squames, scalp, and dermatosis. Studies not conducted in surgical settings were excluded from this second search. Appraisal methods. AORN creates guidelines using the inclusion criteria set by the National Guideline Clearinghouse and develops them based on a systematic review of the evidence. This review includes an additional literature search to identify any evidence that was not included in the initial literature search conducted when the guideline was created. An evidence appraiser and I reviewed and critically appraised each article using the AORN Research and Non-Research Evidence Appraisal Tools. From the original 2014 search, we reviewed 40 abstracts, 30 of which were from full-text articles, and included 23 articles in the literature review. From the second search, we reviewed 38 abstracts, 10 of which were from full-text articles, and included four articles in the literature review. We independently evaluated and appraised the literature according to the strength and quality of the evidence, and then agreed on an appraisal score for each article. Findings I divided the literature into the following categories based on topic. Bacterial shedding and airborne contamination, organisms in the hair, head covering and bacterial count, ear covering and bacterial count, and case reports. The evidence is summarized in the following sections. Bacterial shedding and airborne contamination. The human body and inanimate surfaces in the surgical environment are major sources of microbial contamination and transmission, reducing a patient's exposure to microorganisms that are shed from the skin and hair of perioperative personnel may reduce the patient's risk for SSIs. Several studies have addressed the shedding of microorganisms from the human body. Humans shed up to 10 million particles from their skin every day. Approximately 10% of the shed skin squames carry viable microorganisms. Studies have shown that the natural process of walking releases approximately 1,000 skin scales per minute 
and that during exercise, between 1,000 and 60,000 particles are released per minute. Several studies have demonstrated that personnel can be linked to contamination of the environment with airborne bacteria because of skin shedding. Lidwell and others collected air samples in 15 hospitals during joint surgeries to determine the number of bacteria-carrying particles in the air. They found between 51 and 539 bacteria-carrying particles per cubic meter and noted a strong correlation between infections in the joints and the level of air contamination. Edmonston and others conducted a study that found coagulase-negative staphylococci in 51% of air samples taken within 0.5 to 1 meter of surgical incisions and Staphylococcus aureus in 39% of the air samples taken within 0.5 to 1 meter of surgical incisions. The researchers used pulsed field gel electrophoresis to match the microorganisms to the DNA of the staff members who were present during the surgical procedure. Organisms in the hair The literature review identified five studies that examined organisms found in the hair. An older, greater than 10 years old study by Noble demonstrated that 10% of individuals who had no contact with a hospital setting carried S. aureus in their hair. In another older study, Summers and others conducted direct hair sampling and nasal swabbing of both anterior nares and discovered pathogenic organisms in the hair of 72% of outpatients, 61% of inpatients, and 46% of medical and nursing personnel who participated in the study. The most common pathogen the researchers found was S. aureus, which they found more often in the participants' hair than in the nares. The researchers also found a significant number of Escherichia coli and Streptococcus viridians. The researchers recommended that the hair of patients and healthcare workers be completely covered during minor and major surgical procedures and when dressing surgical incisions. Mays and others examined the adherence of S. aureus and Staphylococcus epidermidis to human hair by taking human hair from a volunteer and treating it with cultures of S. aureus and S. epidermidis. The researchers used detergents common to conventional shampoo products to try to remove the adherent bacterial cells, followed by a thorough rinsing three times with distilled water. The researchers noted that the conventional shampoo treatment removed neither the S. aureus nor S. epidermidis cells. They concluded that these organisms were difficult to remove from the hair and could be a source of multi-drug-resistant staphylococci and a source of healthcare-associated infections. In one study, SSIs were directly tied to healthcare workers who carried S. aureus on their hair. Huchman's Evers tested 3,039 OR and hospital personnel with a dispersal test to determine who dispersed S. aureus. The researcher also looked for evidence of postoperative SSIs during a four-year period. The researcher identified 122 staff members as dispersers of S. aureus, which was found in the scalp hair of 21.5% of 2,688 individuals whose hair was tested, and in the beards and mustaches of 15.5% of the 84 individuals with facial hair. By phage typing all of the postoperative incisions that did not heal normally, the researcher determined that nine of the people who were dispersers caused 19 postoperative SSIs. In 2011, Eisen conducted a literature review that examined the evidence for the effectiveness of different aspects of the surgeon's garb, including head coverings, 
in the outpatient dermatologic surgery setting. Eisen noted that hair can carry pathogenic organisms and that both patients and healthcare workers carry pathogenic organisms. He concluded that it was unclear whether covering hair to prevent shedding of airborne bacteria was useful in preventing SSIs. Head Covering and Bacterial Count Five studies addressed head covering and bacterial count in the OR. Collectively, these studies determined that there is bacterial shedding from the hair, ears, and scalp. There is mixed evidence, however, regarding the efficacy of head coverings to contain bacterial shedding and whether completely covering the hair affects SSI rates. McHugh and others, and Salasa and Swiatkowski, conducted literature reviews examining surgical attire and concluded that there was little evidence that head coverings worn by OR personnel reduced SSI rates. McHugh and others noted that wearing surgical head coverings decreased bacterial contamination of the surgical field, however. Several researchers examined the efficacy of different types of hair coverings. Ritter and others evaluated microbiologic contamination in the OR when participants used different head coverings, for example, cloth cap, cloth hood, hairspray with no head cover, hairspray with a cloth cap, hairspray with a cloth hood, and no cover. The researchers found that the type of head covering, for example, cap, hood, no cover, did not significantly affect the contamination of the OR environment. Hairspray did decrease microbial fallout. Humphreys and others examined the effectiveness of a head covering, for example, hood covering the head, side of the face, and chin, and use of ventilation on bacterial air counts, and found that the head covering did not lead to a reduction in bacterial air counts. Freiberg and others studied the efficacy of a helmet system and a hood by measuring air counts of bacteria and dust particles and the bacterial sedimentation rate. They concluded that the hood was as effective as the helmet system for bacterial containment, both reduced bacterial contamination of the incision area compared with no head cover. There was no difference in the amount of dust particles whether the head was covered or not. Researchers in these studies continued to recommend complete covering of the hair while in the OR to decrease patient risk. Ear Covering and Bacterial Count Owers and others conducted an experiment to identify more accurately which exposed facial areas on perioperative personnel could potentially pose a risk of incision contamination. The researchers swabbed the foreheads, eyebrows, and ears of 20 perioperative staff members using standard microbiology swabs. The results showed a significantly greater number of bacterial colonies cultured from the ears than from the forehead or eyebrows. The researchers recommended that exhaust helmets be worn during arthroplasty procedures, or if this was not possible, that the ears be covered by standard theater hats, because ears are a significant source of shedding that could pose the potential for incision contamination. Case Reports Five case reports were found in the literature search. Three of the case studies were older, 1975 to 1991, and highlighted outbreaks of SSIs that were caused by healthcare workers who were carrying pathogenic microorganisms in their hair. Deneen and Drusen reported on 12 postoperative SSIs, 11 of which were associated with a single surgeon carrying S. aureus in his hair. The surgeon was then required to cut his hair short, shampoo daily with povidone iodine shampoo, and wear an adequate hair covering in the OR. There were no additional outbreaks, 
until the surgeon stopped following these requirements. Five new infections were then associated with the surgeon. Mastro and others reported on a prolonged outbreak of Group A beta-hemolytic streptococcus postoperative SSIs in 20 patients during a three-year period. Culturing of samples from personnel identified a surgical technologist as the carrier. The surgical technologist did not directly participate in the procedures, but had entered the OR and was shedding organisms from lesions on her scalp. Roche and others investigated an outbreak of Rhodococcus bronchialis sternal incision infections after coronary artery bypass graft surgery. The researchers tied the strain of Rhodococcus causing the infections to that carried by an RN circulator who was found to be colonized with the organism on her scalp, hands, and vagina. The nurse spread the organism by touching her scalp before touching the patients. Two more recently published case studies both highlighted the same outbreak of SSIs that were caused by a surgeon who was carrying a new strain of mycobacteria, Mycobacterium jacuzzi, on his facial skin, eyebrows, and hair. He had contracted the bacteria from a hot tub. This outbreak involved 10 patients who underwent breast implant surgery at an outpatient surgical center in Israel during a two-month period. Eight of the women had the same surgeon and developed SSIs. After the outbreak, the surgeon began using a shampoo containing triclosan. Subsequent cultures were negative for the organism. The infections had significant consequences for the patients. Some patients had to take prolonged course of antibiotics or undergo debridement or subsequent surgery to replace or remove their implants, and two underwent several surgeries for the development of fistulas. This case demonstrates the possibility of human-to-human transfer of potentially dangerous organisms and the importance of decreasing patient exposure to the skin and hair of perioperative team members. Discussion There is no conclusive evidence that hair coverings prevent SSIs. Most evidence surrounding surgical head coverings is older than 10 years, and no study focused on head coverings has been conducted in the past five years. No randomized controlled trials scientifically demonstrate that there is a direct correlation between hair shedding and SSIs. It would be difficult to conduct randomized controlled trials on this topic because the patients would be placed at risk in this type of study. The literature supports the hypothesis that there is a risk to patients. SSI outbreaks directly related to the shedding of pathogenic organisms from healthcare workers' skin and hair have occurred. The evidence is clear that human beings are colonized with many bacteria, that microorganisms are shed into the air, and that airborne bacteria can be a cause of SSIs. Hair contains microorganisms and potentially pathogenic bacteria that have been implicated in SSIs. These organisms are difficult to remove with conventional shampooing. There is conflicting evidence as to whether hair covering reduced the amount of bacteria present in the air, but researchers have continued to recommend complete covering of the hair in the surgical setting. One study that focused on the bacterial contamination of the ears recommended complete covering of the ears in the surgical setting. Case studies demonstrate that human-to-human transmission of bacteria can be directly attributed to SSI outbreaks. Based on the collected evidence, covering the hair and ears to prevent shedding seems prudent to minimize the risk of harm to patients, and AORN therefore continues to recommend completely covering the hair and ears when in semi-restricted and restricted areas.
multiple organizations in addition to AORN recommend full head coverings in the perioperative setting. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service Infection Control Worksheet, which is used to determine compliance with the infection control conditions of participation, states that surgical caps or hoods that cover all head and facial hair must be worn in semi-restricted and restricted areas. The World Health Organization highly recommends that surgical personnel cover their hair during surgery, but it does not make specific recommendations about the type of hair covering. The Association of Surgical Technologists states that the surgical head cover should cover all head and facial hair and recommends against wearing any head covering that does not completely cover the hair. In their 2017 Guideline on Preventing SSIs, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention state that a newly disposable or hospital-laundered head covering that fully covers all hair on the head and all facial hair must be worn when entering the OR. Clinical Implications If patient safety is the number one priority for healthcare facilities, healthcare leaders should enforce the covering of perioperative team members' hair and ears to help decrease the possible risk to patients. Although the evidence is older, there also has been no recent evidence to disprove the findings of the older evidence. When developing clinical practice guidelines, the benefits of a recommendation should be assessed against any harms that it could cause. Perioperative team members covering their hair and ears provide potential benefits to patients, and it causes no harm to either the patients or the healthcare providers to implement and enforce this practice. Future Research Future research should be conducted to determine whether wearing surgical head coverings affects bacterial contamination of the OR environment that could contribute to the development of SSIs. Conclusion This literature review reveals that there has been no recent research conducted on surgical head coverings and their effect on SSI rates. There is no conclusive evidence that covering the hair prevents SSIs. The literature has established that there is a serious risk to patients if they are exposed to the skin and hair of individuals working in the perioperative setting, and case studies have demonstrated a causative relationship between exposure and SSIs. Therefore, to decrease patient risk and promote patient safety, perioperative team members should fully cover their hair to contain hair and skin squames.